This is Celebration Church, but it's more than just a building or a church. We have a calling to be a place where people can find a relationship with God instead of religion. A place where freedom is found and acceptance given, and every person can discover their purpose and experience the kind of fulfillment only God can give. Together we will raise, lead, and empower a generation to change the world. Here, Jesus is famous, and all the glory goes to God. This is celebration. This is our family. Welcome home. Good morning. Welcome to Celebration Church. Let's all stand together as our campuses join with us over in Appleton and Stevens Point, and let's recite together the Apostles' Creed. This is our statement of faith. This is who we are and what we believe here at Celebration Church. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who for us and for our salvation was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the fellowship of believers, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. Good to have you with us here this morning. Those of you in the second service, you're watching this via video because as you're hearing this, I am on my way down to our Appleton campus this morning and uh, hopefully get there before the service is over. But uh, the joys of technology, they're in their new location at the Einstein Middle School down there. We're down there visiting with them and checking out with them. Also, there's a change at our campus. There's always changes, right? People hate change, but uh, 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 our campus pastor, uh, in Appleton has decided he no longer wants to be the campus pastor in Appleton. So now we're going through the thing of getting a new pastor and it'll be fine. Change happens, right? Think of it in beautiful terms like the change in the trees. Isn't it pretty? Is this a lot later this year with the colors or is it my imagination? It's my imagination. I'm hallucinating. <laughs> so, yeah, because it's what, the 27th? Is that today? Anyway, it's pretty, but it seemed a little late. So anyway, uh, this morning, I want to talk to you about the idea of being humble. <laughs> Something I don't really exceed well in, but we're going to talk about it anyway. <clears throat> Luke, the 18th chapter, uh, starting at verse 9, Jesus is uh, speaking. He also spoke this parable. Who's he talking to? To some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous, they're right, I'm right, everybody else is wrong, and despised others. So here's the parable. He says there's two men went up to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee. Now, these were the religious leaders of the day. Everybody wanted to be like the Pharisees, okay? And the other was a tax collector. Now, the Jews at this time hated the tax collectors. Now, nobody likes paying taxes, but this is different. Okay, it's not just that they're paying taxes for their own community. They are an occupied country. And all this money is going back to Rome. And the Romans are the occupiers. 
and they considered the tax collectors to be traitors to the country. They're in cahoots with these people who are oppressing them. And they were famous for lining their own pockets as well. And so they were highly despised, evil, traitors, filthy. I mean, this is when they say tax collector, they're talking scum of scum. They don't like these guys. So one is a Pharisee, the other is a tax collector. Ooh, nobody likes these evil tax collectors. Well, this Pharisee, this respected religious leader, stood and he prayed thus with himself. <laughs> I like that. He thinks he's praying to God. He's praying to himself because God isn't listening to this nonsense. He says, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men. I'm fabulous. They're not. These extortioners, unjust people, adulterers, and or even as this filthy, rotten tax collector. I fast twice a week, and I give tithes of all I possess. And then the tax collector, who was standing afar off, would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast and saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And Jesus said, I tell you, this man, the one who was the tax collector, went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself <clears throat> will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. I'm talking about humility in terms of one's own self-estimation or one's own, one's own opinions. Um, the Pharisee, the first guy, starts out and he starts comparing himself to other people. Uh, when people do this, they usually try to compare themselves to people that they don't think very highly of. Because when you compare yourself to other people who you think are rotten, you feel so much better about yourself. You know, I might be problematic, I might have issues, but you should meet my neighbor. He's horrible. You know, have you met my mother-in-law? I mean, everybody's comparing to somebody because they think if you look at them, they look so much better themselves. And uh, it's, it's human nature to compare ourselves to others and to look down on them. I want to say human nature, I'm talking about our sinful nature. This is kind of just the way we are wired, sadly. People with, some people with lots of money tend to look down on those who don't have much money. People who don't have much money tend to look down on those who do have much money. This is the classic class warfare that we're always struggling with in this country. Everybody at war with whoever is not like them. Uh, we have lots of racial tensions in this country. One race tends to look down on the other. The other looks back at the other and everybody's pointing fingers at each other and complaining. <clears throat> uh, political parties are definitely <laughs> looking down on each other. Man, people are crazy. It's getting really, really bad how intense people. And you know, everybody has their opinions <clears throat> and that's fine. Uh, let me just caution you. Be a little humble with your opinion and don't go crazy. Don't go hating other people. There's a lot of hate going around today. And it's, some of it's just bizarre. You know, there's people who hate other people that are not as tolerant as they are. Which makes no sense. You know, I hate you because you hate. Really? Doesn't that make you a hater? Anyway, it's all out of control. It's crazy. If you like going to the circus, just turn on the news. <clears throat> And you can see all kinds of clowns goofing around in there. All kinds of people sneering at other people 
because we like to look down on others so that it makes us feel better about ourselves. And of course, as we see in this parable, religious people who want to justify themselves love to look down their ecclesiastical noses at those they don't think are as holy or as righteous as they are. And that's certainly not what we are supposed to do as Christians, yet a lot of Christians get caught up in this. And they love to pick on other people <clears throat> that they don't think are as righteous as they are. Uh, and it's problematic, it's just sad to see because we get so full of our own opinions. And again, we don't compare ourselves to people who are better than us, we try to compare people that we think are struggling. And I've, I've mentioned this before, but you know, it's in the news again, it just irritates the snot out of me, you know, these, People that, you know, like a baker who doesn't want to cook a, ba a cake for some gay couple or something, you know. Now, for the record, I don't think the government should be able to tell you who to do business with, period. I think they ought to just stuff it, all right, and mind their own business. And those of you, and we have all kinds of people at Celebration Church. We're a very open congregation. We've got people on the far left, far right, all in between. And that's fine. We're here to worship God. Uh, but, uh, you know, this this crazy, the, the, the more that some of you want government to take care of stuff, you got to be careful. The more you want government, the more power you give them, the more they'll take. And the more of your own liberties you're going to lose. And it's getting out of control. I mean, there is a presidential candidate right now uh, among, you know, all these Democrats, there's a whole squad of them, you know, shooting at each other until there's finally one left. Uh, that's the way it works in politics. And one who's actually advocated that he thinks the government should force churches to do stuff they don't believe in. Now, I honestly thought I would never hear something like that in my lifetime. I thought that kind of crazy oppressive thinking was way down the road in the far distant future, but it's actually here right now. And I'm stunned. I mean, one of the things in this country that we've all loved and cherished is freedom of religion. Worship however you want to worship. Uh, you don't agree with me, I don't agree with you, go to your church, I'll go to mine. So what, you know? But to actually be saying that the government should use power to force churches to do things they don't want to do or don't believe in is highly troubling. If this doesn't trouble you, there's something wrong with your troubler, okay? Because this is bad. Some of these people are just crazy and it's gotten out of control. Having said that, as I've said before, I think you sell cake, somebody wants to buy a cake, just sell them the stupid cake. What do you care? Well, I don't believe in same-sex marriage. Really, they're, they're, they're awful selective in their morality. You know, because uh, same-sex marriage is condemned to the same as adultery. But I'm pretty sure when these people are selling their cakes, they're not asking these people if they are adulterers. And you know, there's a whole lot of people who cheat on their spouses, divorce them, and then marry the person they're committing adultery with. No one's asking them questions about that. I wonder if they're asking them questions about fornicators. For those of you who don't know what fornicating is, it's when you're doing it before you say, I do. And I don't even want to see the number of hands of people who are doing it before they said, I do. All of this is condemned in the Bible. But they don't do, they pick the one. Of course, the smallest percentage. They got all mad about it, and you know, and everybody gets all righteous and full of indignation over all this stuff. And don't get caught up in this nonsense. These people, I, God bless them. I just think they're idiots. You know, the bad thing is they make us look like idiots. You know, always, you know, like that. Oh God, I thank you. I'm not like this other person. And I'm convinced that one of the reasons so many 
so-called Christians get so mad at the extreme, you know, whatever sexual behavior they see in anybody, is because it makes them feel better about their own sexual sins. I'm absolutely convinced of it. The ones who get the most upset about it are up to their own eyeballs and all kinds of stuff. But you know, it's different. You know, I'm not as bad as that guy. Man, just be careful. Don't get caught up in crazy. I remember when I was a couple of years, everybody was getting all freaked out about transgender bathrooms and stuff. Someone came and said, Pastor, we need a policy in this church about bathroom usage. I said, no. If you got to go, just go. We're not going to have a policy. You step into the place, you close the door, you do whatever you do, then you leave. Well, wash your hands first. And then you leave. And besides, who's going to check? I ain't checking. There'll be a new ministry here. We've got ushers, we've got greeters, and we've got genital checkers. Well, you're okay. All right. Now you're over here. Who's going to do this? What do you care? You know, a lather and all righteous, so we need laws and everything. Oh, good Lord. Just relax. This religious man compared himself to others. He wasn't as bad as the other people. Verse 11, God, I think I'm not like other people. Extortioners, unjust, adulterers, these filthy people. Or even as this tax collector. And then he, after comparing himself to other people that he disapproved of, then he focused on what measurable good he had done. And the guy's pretty devout in his faith. He says, I fast twice a week. Twice a week. Two days a week, he goes, without eating anything, just so that he can pray and focus on God. That's pretty devout. Most of the devout people know, I know, don't fast twice a year. Most of the people I know have never fasted, which is not good at all, you know. Uh, but this guy, he was very devout. I fast twice a week. And he said, I give tithes of all I possess. What's that talking about? It talks about giving 10% of your income back to God. This is the biblical standard, all right? You work, you get a dollar, you give God a dime. This goes back way to the beginning of the Bible and all throughout. And he's very good at this, and he's very proud of what he does, and blah, 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 look at me, God. Uh, so what he does, he looks at people he disapproves of, and then he looks at the good stuff he does and does approve of, and then he makes himself happy, and he gets content. And he's praying, the Bible says, to himself, you know, because he's filled with this. In other words, what he does is he, he manipulates the mirrors in his life. And at some level, we're all guilty of this. We like the mirrors that make us look good. Some mirrors are just the way they're just that makes me look a little thinner than that other mirror. We don't like the mirrors that expose things about us. And we tend to get away from those people who reflect badly towards us. Everybody does this. Oh, the older and the smarter you get, the less you do it. But especially if you're young, you, you run and hide from all these mirrors. And it's the mirror's fault. And, Deanna wrote a post about this on, on her Facebook account this last week about the mirrors. You know, mirrors are there to sh help you. <laughs> the reason some of you look nice this morning, thank God you had a mirror and didn't come like you woke up. All right? These mirrors are your friends. But we tend to get rid of the ones that we don't like. So there's people that come into our lives. We don't like what they say to us. And we push them out of our lives. And be careful about doing that. You know, so well, some people are irritating. I get it. But, you know, don't be trying to just get just surround yourself with people who think just like you all the time. Be more open-minded than that. Um, 
One of the problems <clears throat> that uh, a lot of people struggle with, particularly <laughs> young people, uh, you know, I talk about people who, uh, they, we live in a country where people don't really know who they are anymore. And a lot of that is because of the breakdown in family and in our culture. It used to be people would be born and live their entire lives within walking distance of where they were born. For thousands of years of hi human history, this was normal. You walked outside your door and you were immediately surrounded by grandmas, grandpas, uncles, cousins, aunts, everybody was there all over the place. And family tends to be a pretty accurate reflector of who we are. And so people always had a pretty good sense of who they were. Well, today, people like to manipulate mirrors. And one of the first things young people do as soon as they graduate is get as far away from their families as humanly possible because they don't like the mirrors. <clears throat> you know, <laughs> some of you, you know, Christmas is coming. Oh boy, you know, it's when all the family gets together and it's amazing how the same buttons get pushed every year. You know, and you find yourself reacting the way you did when you were a kid, you know, because you get around these people and they, they, they know all your buttons and we try and uh, get rid of that. So you get in a situation where you're constantly manipulating the mirrors in your life and then you don't really know who you are. You try to surround yourself with people. They don't know you. They can't really speak into your life and people kind of drift and they struggle so much in life. Anyway, so what happens in the end, Jesus in this parable concludes, look, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled and he who humbles himself will be exalted. So he's talking about you know, you want God to lift you up, not knocking you down. And if you get arrogant and full of your own opinions that you can't listen to other people, which people tend to do, you start getting arrogant and God will resist you. We read in Romans, the 12th chapter, Paul writes to the church here, he says, be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things. And that was about being arrogant is what he's talking about. But associate with humble people. And do not be wise in your own opinions. And if there's one thing about our opinions, is they're our opinions. And we get so full of our opinions. We're so wise and we're so smart, everybody else is an idiot. And we love our opinions. And I gotta tell you, it's just human nature. The younger you are, the worse it is. You know, I remember when I was 20, I knew everything. I had all the answers to life. Some of you are 16, you're already there, you know. I know everything, you know. And the older you get, the more you start to realize I'm not as smart as I thought I was. At my age, I'm one of the dumbest guys I know. But I was really brilliant early on. And we tend to fight for our opinion. We get so obsessed in our opinions and convince everyone needs to know our opinions. Uh, my brother, Eddie, that's Bishop Ed to you, but Eddie to me. By the way, I love it. Everywhere I go, almost people ask me if Ed is my dad. <laughs> He's actually my younger brother. Anyway, so uh, pray for him. He's ugly. So anyway, <laughs> the one thing about my brother Eddie and I is for the bulk of the last several decades, especially when we were younger, we fought intensely. Uh, and not about politics, not about much of anything. We all fought about religious things. Because I had my opinion, and he had his opinion. We're like cats in a bag going at each other. But we don't do that anymore. In fact, it dawned on us the other day, and we're talking, and he said, you know, we don't fight nearly as much as we used to fight. And I said, yeah. I said, you know why? He says, why? He says, because we both learn. Nobody cares. <laughs> you know? At some point, you still got your opinions, but you go, 
Yeah, who cares? Nobody cares. You know what I'm saying? And, and then you just get along with people. We still don't agree on a great many things. But we don't fight about it anymore. The older you get, the more humble you start to be in your opinions. And I got to tell you, it's really kind of frustrating because I get young people who are not Christians. They hear about the Bible and they, yeah, they don't care. I, that's normal, right? What really saddens me is how many young people who claim to be Christians despise or lift their noses up against what the Bible teaches in a great many areas. You can come to them and say, uh, straight, when I'm saying young, I'm talking 20, 30, maybe even 40s. <laughs> but you can go and show them what the Bible says and they go, well, yeah, but you know, I, I have my own opinions. Well, do you now? <laughs> How impressive is that? For thousands of years of human history, people who walked with God, experienced miracles, walked and listened to Jesus taught, teach and stuff, and all the wisdom they've had, you now, at your advanced age of 24, are smarter than all of them. You can show them what the Bible says, but I don't know, I have my own, my own opinion. Really? Don't be wise, Paul writes, in your own opinions. Don't take your own opinions so seriously. And look, the reason we have the Bible, if you do, it becomes the standard for our lives. Otherwise, this is just a big free-for-all. Everybody does whatever they think. Talking about uh, anarchy in the Old Testament, it says everyone did what they thought was right in their own eyes. It says, well, I don't think it's wrong, and I think this is okay, and I, 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 I is what happens. And then, you know, it just it always would end up in anarchy. And it's like we got people today that are just pushing in that direction. You can show them whatever the scriptures, again, Christians, you can show them what the scripture says, and they come back overwhelmingly with, yeah, but I think, and I don't get it. They don't realize how important it is what the Bible teaches. That's why you want to learn what the Bible teaches. Or this becomes just a mess of astronomical proportions as everybody just starts doing what they think is right, and then, then what's right? Then nothing's right, you know, and everything gets out of control. That's why we have the scriptures. It becomes the thing that centers us uh, with people of faith for thousands of years. Otherwise, everybody just starts making up their own version. And you're not supposed to be making up your own version. So, well, I don't like that rule. Well, so what? You know, there's a lot of things in life I don't like. I don't like having to drive 55. <laughs> but if I go too much faster than that, they're going to be pulling me over. All right? You can't just make up your own rules. Some cop pulls you over. You know, you're going 82 in a 45-mile-hour zone. You don't go, well, yeah, but I think it's okay. And I'm more open-minded. You know, they don't care. They're going to throw you in a hooskow or find you big money. Isaiah, the fifth chapter, he writes these words, Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. Man, if you don't have a sense of maybe what I think isn't right, then you're not getting this. There should always, I mean, everybody's going to think what they think. It's natural. Everybody's going to have their own opinions. I get that. But if you don't have a little sense of, yeah, I could be wrong, then you're in a bad place. You need to be more humble in your own opinion. And Peter, he writes, the Apostle Peter writes, Likewise, you younger people, submit yourself to your elders. Yes, all of you, be submissive to one another, be clothed with humility. Why? Because God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. 
You don't want God resisting you. You think your life is hard, go down that path where everything you're doing is like God is pushing against you. And it can happen if you get arrogant and proud and you're just so obsessed with your own thoughts and opinions all the time. Um, <clears throat> one of the things uh, about Celebration Church, we're one of these churches that is, uh, we're not considered what's called a, con a congregationally run church. Most evangelicals are congregationally run. What does that mean? The congregation votes on everything. They vote on uh, what carpet color to have. They vote on, you know, everything, everything. You know, what kind of toilet paper we're going to have. Who's, who's going to do this? They're always voting on something. And, and we're Americans. We like to vote on stuff and stuff. And I, and I get that. But then it just turns into a big political mess. And everybody is full of their own opinions. And they go at each other's throat. That's why there's so many different churches, you know? Every church has their thing. That's why so many churches split apart all the time. You know, they do well. 80% of churches in America today, of the 400,000 churches, 80% of them have 100 people in them or less. That's about how many people you can get in the same room that will agree about everything. It's true. And once you get past that, then it becomes problematic. Here, we don't do that. I mean, if you get stuff that's horrible, you can just go to a different church. But we don't have these organized, you know, things where everybody's voting on this, that, and the other, and the color of this and that. And the other. It's just, it would just be crazy. And uh, I can't stand that stuff. It makes me crazy. In uh, Philippians, Paul writes this to the church there, talking about Jesus. But he made himself, talking about Jesus, of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant, and coming in the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name. Talk about humility. God in the flesh. Where he starts out? In a manger, a barn. And as he's going around doing these miracles, he often would tell people, don't tell anybody who did it. Don't tell anybody. He just kept everything on the down low. He was not arrogant. And then the creator of the universe, here's the thing, he could have killed them all, squished them like a bug that were persecuting him. The Bible says when he was being crucified on that cross, he could have called and in an instant 10,000 angels would have showed up kicking butt and taking names. And he doesn't do it. He doesn't do it. He stays quiet like a lamb before it's, uh, you know, shears is dumb, doesn't say anything. Jesus was like that. He didn't say a word. And lived out the most brilliant example of humility anyone has ever lived out. God in the flesh. You know, that would have, if it were to me, I'd have been killing them all. Get away from me. Uh, in Luke, the 18th chapter back there, um, then we got the other guy. What does he do? He's standing afar off. He would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven. He couldn't even look at why. He, he knew he was guilty. He knew he was in a bad place. And all he would do is beat his breast and say, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And Jesus says, of the two, this is the guy who went home justified, forgiven, made right, because he was humble in his own estimation. One of the best things, I, <clears throat> one of the easiest things to do I've noticed when you, you share faith with somebody is people who are really bad, they're easier to talk to <laughs> than people who think they're really good because bad people know they're bad, you know? 
man, when the first time I heard someone talking about Jesus, you didn't have to convince me I was a sinner. <laughs> I was leader of the pack. You know, I was bad. You know, but when people get full, of, well, I don't, I don't need to go. You know, I go to church all the time. You know, I do this all the time. I'm a nice person. I help little old ladies cross the street or whatever they do. They don't talk about all the bad things they do. They talk about all the nice things they do. They justify themselves. I don't need God. It's amazing how many people, even listening to me right now, because we're all over the place on the internet, all around the world, on television here in Wisconsin. It's amazing how many people, their opinion of themselves is, I don't need God. And they kind of sneer at those who do. They say, well, I don't need a crutch. Religion is just a crutch. No, it's more of a wheelchair. I got to tell you, I, I totally need it. I'm a mess. Anybody who thinks I can do this on my own. So I feel so miserable today. They're trying to do everything on their own. They think everything they think is right. I don't need anybody. Leave me alone. And, uh, and then they struggle greatly in life. And it's why people can live in cities surrounded by millions of people and be as lonely as they possibly can be. One of the great things about church is we gather together and we're there for each other. Why? Because we all need help. We all struggle with stuff. Some of us, you know, are going through difficult times, facing a death in the family. Maybe you're really sick. You need some help. Maybe, you know, who knows where you're at this morning. But we need people. We're supposed to be doing life together. The reason we can gather and worship together, no matter what our backgrounds, no matter what our political opinions and all this stuff, is because at the end of the day, we admit, you know, I need some help. I need God in my life. I need people in my life. A lot of people are quick to say, oh, I need God in my life, but they don't want people <laughs> because they don't like people and they become very arrogant about that. Look, you all need, we all need each other. Don't think you don't need people. Always try to keep the attitude of humility, you know, that I don't have all the answers. I need help. I need wisdom. I need advice. I need encouragement. You know, one thing I've noticed about uh, successful people, I'm talking about people who do really well in business and have a lot of money. It's fascinating to be around these people because you know what they do? They're always asking opinions. They're always asking, what do you think of this? I was thinking about that. Tell me about what you do and stuff like that. You know, it's fascinating. You would think these people walking around, oh, I don't know, I'm so and so, I don't need any advice from anyone. That's not their attitude overwhelmingly. Why? Because somewhere along the way, it dawned on them, I'd become more successful if I'd be open-minded. I could be more successful if I can listen to others. Maybe there's something you have that will help me. Maybe there's something I have that will help. It's amazing how many of them are willing to give other people advice. They made a fortune. Let me show you how to do it. And they'll just spill it out, whatever they did. You know, it's really fascinating. People who succeed in life financially are almost always open to input. But you'll find that all across the board. People in their faith are successful in their faith and life in general when they realize, you know, I don't have all the answers. I'm not the smartest guy in the room all the time. I need to listen to others. Don't manipulate the mirrors in your life. Don't throw people out of your life that you don't like the way they look at you and do it. Be more open-minded. Even people who are critical and sometimes very mean-spirited have something that you need to see. That's hard, you know. I, you know, I, I'm a public figure. I travel all over the place and sometimes I run into some really mean people. Uh, they get real nasty. But even then, you know, I want to punch him in the face, but I don't. But, I, but at the end of the day, I got to say, okay, what are they seeing that I'm not seeing? You know, what's in this mirror that's something I can adjust to? And the more I do that, the more I grow, the more I learn. All right, now we're going to get ready to have our time of communion. I'm going to invite our ushers to get ready to come and serve our communion here as well as our campuses in Appleton and Stevens Point. 
Now, the Bible says when we take communion, and by the way, this is the time where we just focus on why we're here. We are here because of what Jesus Christ did for us 2,000 years ago on that cross. And he encouraged us, whenever we take communion, to do this in remembrance of him. Remember what this is about. It's about, and talk about humility, Jesus, who suffered all these things without saying a word. Um, his body was broken so we could be whole. His blood was shed so we could have forgiveness of sins. But the Bible says when we do this, it's a time, supposed to be a time of reflection. This is a time we should look at ourselves. So whenever we're done with a sermon or something like that and we take communion, don't just change channels and I wonder what time the Packers are going to kick off or I wonder what's cooking in the oven. You know, focus and think about what you just heard and reevaluate where does that put me? Where am I? Am I in a good place? From this message this morning, am I being humble? Am I being open-minded? Am I just lashing out all the mirrors around me trying to get them out of my life? Or am I allowing people to speak into my life? Because if you're not, you need to open mind. Say, God, help me. Be merciful to me, a sinner. And maybe this morning, it's the first time you've been in a church in a long time. Maybe you've never really come to faith in God, but you're thinking, you know, I need this. I would really like to experience this gift of forgiveness that you guys are talking about. Well, we're going to pray a prayer together. And if you'll pray this prayer with us, you can start taking your first steps of faith this morning and begin to encounter this wonderful grace that we have experienced uh, through Jesus Christ. Let's bow our heads together. Let's all pray this together. Say, Dear Jesus, I choose to humble myself today. Be merciful to me, a sinner. I ask you to come into my life and to forgive me of my sins. Amen.